Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We talked last week about how God had kind of named this group Building Faith Together. And then I thought we were going to start with building, and he started with together. So talked about together last week. And this week I was just praying and seeking him, you know, in between doing all of our human stuff and making mistakes and being an idiot and... We were talking on the way over here. It's amazing how God just forgives you right away. He doesn't hold you in time out or repeat it to you in five years like a lot of us women can do. Like whip out our files of like, well, four years ago you did the same thing. You know, and how God just never does that. He's just like, okay, you're totally forgiven in Jesus' name. But anyway, I was looking at it and it was like, I just felt like God wanted us to talk about us as individuals. Because that's the really, I mean, we start out as, and we are still individuals. And we joked about how, you know, sometimes you get to a Bible study like this, and you, especially a couple's Bible study, and you think, oh, thank God my spouse is here, you know, because they're the ones that really need to hear this. And we're individuals. We all are the ones that need to grow. All of us, me, everyone, um, in God's word. And that's what's so good about his, his word and this truth. You know, it's interesting. Some people, and, and, and I'm not trying to be too simple, but I want us to really think about this because this message goes all over the world. And some people think that, like, if you're born into a Christian family, you're a Christian. Or just like if you marry someone, you just take their last name. You know, like when I married Lacey Witten, I I was Kathleen O'Neill, and then I married Lacey Witten. But I didn't really have to convert to be a Witten, you know. Um, Thankfully, O'Neills and Wittens both had the same rules. Like if you go to a hotel, you have to take all the shampoo bottles and conditioners (laughs) home with you, and anything else is not glued down to the, you know. I'm actually not kidding. But when you do, though, decide... To be a Christian, it's not because your spouse is a Christian. It's not because you're raised as a Christian. It's absolutely your own decision as an individual. And it's interesting to me that God already loves us as children of God. He he loves us as children of God, and he receives us and loves us. But that we have to decide to convert from death into life. We as individuals, no one for me. God doesn't have grandchildren, so my parents can't do it for me. God doesn't have in-laws, so I can't have my spouse's parents do it. You know, he has children, period. And so we really have to convert from death into life. And what I mean by that is from, for, from you and I having the world or ourselves as our savior, or the world or ourselves as our Lord. Because really, if Jesus isn't your Lord and he's not your Savior, something or someone else is. And for a lot of people, it's themselves, which is the worst possible position to be in. Because I don't know about you, but I let myself down all the time. And so the anxiety and the stress of that is immense. And there are even a lot of Christians that don't know that 
that Jesus not only forgives you, but that he wants to be Lord of your life. He he cares about every little detail. He wants to take us. He's not trying to make us good people. I I brought this quote because this means so much to me. I want you to think about it, though. He wants us to be better because he loves us. But I just love this quote. It says, um, Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. You know, you have people tell me, or I, I end up in lots of different circles and lots of different conversations. You know, people tell me, well, I'm a really good person and I feel good about that. And da, 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 da. And, but if we're going to look at what the Bible says and we're going to take it at its entirety and not break it into little bitty pieces and say, well, I like this and I don't like that and I like this and I don't like that, then we have to look at what it says and it says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Sin literally means missing the mark, like taking an arrow, a bow and arrow, and missing the bullseye. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I did archery at camp, you know, but anyway... I, I liked it a lot, but I didn't hit the bullseye every time, even though I really wanted to. And that's exactly what sin is. It's missing the mark. Now, sometimes we purposely miss the mark, but sometimes we don't purposely miss the mark. But that's what it is. So in Romans three twenty three and 25, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. That means everybody. So Christ didn't come because he wants you to be good. And he wants you to be a great person. He came to make dead people live. We were all in death. We were all in sin. Um, We were all in our own selfishness. And even Lace and I were talking about this on the way over here, how quickly um, I was talking about me in particular, I can just fall into just selfishness or fall into something just so quickly. I got to grab the word as much as possible because I get, it's our nature, and God wants to change our nature, and I'm really excited to start talking about that, because there are some absolute biblical ways that I feel aren't taught that God changes our nature, and I think there's a lot of frustrated Christians around going, I want my nature changed, but how do I do it? Well, you don't do it. There's ways that God does it, but he shows us what to do, but that's for another time. So anyway, it says, in Romans three twenty three, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, meaning a substitute for us all in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over sins previously committed. And when I, when I read that, I'm thinking, what's interesting is that word forbearance, it, it, a similar word to that is patience. And that he passed over sins previously committed. In other words, what blows my mind is that Christ has, before I was even born, his blood and the sacrifice that he made as God's son offered for me and for you Forgiveness. I have forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and so do you. If you, if you receive it, if you want it, for my past, for my present, and for my future. 
And I can totally mess up, totally mess up to where I'd be like, I'm not sharing that, you know, because there's some things that are funny and fun to share. And then there are other things where you're like, oh, no. I mean, there's some things that we have so deep, we don't even share them with ourselves. And, and, and God looks down at us and the board says that we are God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. He sees us as flawless because he sees the blood covering us. And to me, that's so exciting that we have to choose that. Um, I love that this J.J. Packer in, in Knowing God, he says, um, designates a distinct difference between pagan and Christian propitiation. In other words, the propitiation meaning the act of, of appeasing or the substitutionary act, propitiation. And so there's all these sometimes big words that people read in church and you're like, oh, that sounds really deep. And you're thinking, I don't even have a clue what that just meant. But that, if you break it all down, it's so darn exciting. And that's why I love to go slow on scriptures. It's not, it's really not quantity. It's quality. It's, it's, you, you can take one scripture and meditate on it you know, for so long. I mean, I could take one scripture and just meditate on it for a year or more or a lifetime because it's, it's God-breathed. It's alive. But J.J. Packer says, In paganism, man propitiates his gods and religion, becomes a form of commercialism and, indeed, of bribery. In Christianity, however, God propitiates his wrath by his own action. He set forth Jesus Christ to be the propitiation, in other words, the substitute of our sins. I just love that. And that's so awesome. And so I just, and I love that, that God is, has so much forbearance. You know, I want more forbearance. That means, you know, tolerance and patience. I want some more and more of that in my life. And it also, when it applies to the law, I looked up this word forbearance, and it's interesting because when it applies to the law, it's the act of a creditor who refrains from enforcing a debt when it falls due. That's forbearance. I thought, wow. Like, I owe God. I mean, like, basically, I got all the great things that Jesus deserves, and he got all the stuff and the junk that... I deserved, and you deserved, because of our sins. And so there's no scale of, like, good, bad. It's just we all need Jesus. We all need him so badly as individuals. I love the way that God so carefully writes the Bible um, and, and inspires men, and just to be able to pay attention to that and to really listen because there's reasons that he does so you know knowing christ is fully god and fully man i love the way isaiah that god inspired him to say this for a child will be born to us okay fully man a son will be given to us whose son given god's son given in other words, he's saying right here, fully God, fully man, I'm giving you this prophecy. And even as Christians, sometimes we don't recognize, we, we may even sing that at Christmas, but what we're saying is Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man. 
And the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. A child will be born. A son will be given. The intention that God has in his word for us, to me, is so exciting. I think you have to have a special talent to make it boring. I mean, I'm just being true. I'm I'm serious. I think that it has to be special schooling or something. And yet, we sometimes just zip through the word. And I I just want to encourage you all tonight just to really slow down and, and look at those scriptures. You know, look, go back to... Wait a minute, Romans three twenty three through 25, and meditate on that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. We just do. It doesn't matter that I fall less short than someone else, or they fall more short than me, or less short, you know, because we get into that thing like, well, you know, all the other people are doing it. Why am I on such a short chain? I've told God that so many times. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a believer, but so-and-so is a believer too. They have no problem doing ABC. What's with the short chain? Because I get yanked up so fast. And he's like, uh, you prayed for that? I'm like, oh yeah. You prayed that you wouldn't go down the wrong road and that you would stay in my footsteps? Oh, I did? Yeah. Just honoring your prayer, you know? Yeah. And just keeping that word in front of us. It's amazing how... I, I wasn't even going to say this. I don't even know what it was this morning. We were, what were we bickering over this morning? Something really stupid. I can't even remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. Our house, of course, we've been doing this construction. It was supposed to be through August 16th or something like that. And it is now February 3rd, 2014. You always need to ask your contractor, what year did you mean? I heard you say August. Did you mean 2013 or 2014? Because I just need to know. So now I'm the contractor. So I'm now the contractor, the cook, the housekeeper, the, you know, mom, the wife, the um, life coach, the do ministry, the speaker. So um, this is my, I'm, I'm setting you all up to be on my side. Can you tell? Okay. So I'm setting you up to be on my side. So I have like these piles. One's called clean laundry. One's called, you know, um, life coaching notebooks of different people that I'm life coaching. I have piles in different parts of the room. And there's a reason I have piles, and it's called T-I-M-E. Not enough T-I-M-E. But I'm married to someone who I know it's so important to him to have order and to have that peace in his house, but and he's ultra-organized, and he's still converting me to ultra-organization because I could live totally bohemian if I got away with it, but I don't get away with it. But he walked in. Um, I actually saw that he was going through Storm's toys, and um, we were going to have someone for the first time, or basically for the first time, um, in all these months since May, um, help us with the house today. And I just had a really full schedule and just was so thankful. But Storm's toys were strewn across the floor. And so I asked Lacey, I said, you know, what What do you want me to do with Storm's toys so that we can vacuum and things like that? And he goes, well, you have stuff all over that. Oh, what are you talking about? You've got piles everywhere. 
I just didn't have enough time to finish going through it with Storm. What about your piles? I was like, wait a minute, why are we comparing piles? What do you mean? You're changing the whole subject. I just brought up your, I mean, our life, I was like, are we on Seinfeld? I mean, what, what is happening here? I really feel like our family could be on a reality show anyway, because it's just, I, we crack each other up all day, but we were serious. And so it was like, no, you're changing the subject. Don't change the subject. You brought up piles. I brought up piles. You said storms piles. The inference is that I should have cleaned up those piles, but I had not. And someone's going to need to, what are the unit of the air piles? I, I can do my piles. I can't do the piles you started with him because I don't know what piles are what. Like, what do I give away and keep? That's not what you asked. That's not what I asked. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's not what you asked, though. But that is what I meant. But stop changing. That's the whole point, Kathleen. When you ask something, you ask what you ask. You don't say later, that's not what I meant. And so we have this whole stupid thing going on, you know? And it's amazing how quickly you can get in that defense mode or I can get in that defense mode or communication can go off with couples. And it's so important to me, especially to get back in the word. And, and um, we, I, and, and I laugh about this. Um, I usually am the first in, in our marriage to say, you know, I'm really sorry that that I came across that way or that I'm, I apologize for this or that, but it usually it's because it usually is my fault. <laughs> but, but I also know that there's always a blessing in being the first to apologize because you're just blessed by God and that humility of, of humbling yourself and saying whether it was your fault or you thought it was your fault and not adding the, I'm sorry, but, because then that didn't count, you know. I'm sorry, but you really misunderstood me because I was talking about storm piles that I can't really control and I didn't know what to do with. But I just said, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I did not mean to miscommunicate with you this morning. And, and he gave me a big hug. And, but just keeping in the word to us has saved our relationship. It has saved our friendship. It has saved our marriage over almost almost three decades of a friendship and a marriage, 28 years. And and I can't tell you all, I mean, we've not, just like you in your lives and all the things you've been through, it's not all just rainbows and sunshine and skipping through the field and, you know, kissing and, oh, what movie do you want to see tonight? Oh, I don't know, honey, whatever you want to see. I mean, it's kids crying and sick and... Somebody else is sick and somebody else is going through something and financial turmoil and anguish and kind of looking at yourself sometime and going, I can't remember why I liked that person I married. Why did I, you know, and you have to kind of look back and go, wait a minute, God put us together. And, and that was why also we did that list last week. Um, for those of you that did the list, just to write down, and if you didn't do it last week, do it this week. Write down everything that, yeah, y'all are giving me the looks like, it's up here, lady. It's all up here. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> and then y'all were like, we'll vote on whether to share or not. Okay. I'm like, yeah, well, we're going to share. No. Um, but um, we don't need to. It's just for you. It's not even for your spouse. But keep a list, even if it's just for a week of all the things that you like about your spouse or that they do that's great or that they 
that you appreciate about them, even the small, tiny things. Like, I so appreciate that he's willing to take a storm to school when I'm stressed out. Or I'm so appreciate. I mean, just those little things, because otherwise the enemy wants us to focus on the things that get on our nerves. And he wants us both to do that so that it separates us and then we aren't together. And like we talked about, the, the, the greatest agreement prayer in the world, if two of you agree on anything on earth, will be done for you in heaven. The most powerful agreement prayer is between husband and wife. And so why would Satan want to have there be such a high divorce rate? Even with Christians, it's 51%. We are no different than the world. Why is it so high? Because we get away from what God really says. We get away from sacrificial love. We get into, my needs are not met. And I mean, I'm not a prince is up here on a throne going, let me tell you, this is the way. It, I mean, I every day have to go, wait a minute, stop and get back into the word because I'll find myself getting anxious. I'll find myself getting selfish. I'll find myself... But I know what peace feels like. And once you have that peace that surpasses all understanding, it's like static. You're not used to it. Remember, and y'all remember, when it used to be a certain time at night, the TV would just go, no, no other shows on. No such thing as cable. We had three channels if we were lucky. You, and maybe PBS, if you could get it in on your little antenna that you'd put some kind of, you know, foil on and your parents are like, turn it down. And, you know, but there was a certain time at night, I don't know if it was midnight or what, that the TV would just go static and the screen would go static and the noise would go static. And people would get really used to that noise. And I used to have friends say, you know, I kind of, I kind of been used to that noise. I kind of sleep to that noise. Well, I compare that to, Lack of peace in our life. We get used to the world's static. We get used to living in anxiety. We get used to living in selfishness. We get used to living in fear. And it's static. And then when we do experience, like God says, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, meaning asking with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace that surpasses all understanding, once you experience that, then you will not accept static. You'll feel static and go, something is not right. Something's not right. And it becomes the unfamiliar unwelcome feeling. Like when they told Lacey that I had AML leukemia and I just, I thought I just didn't feel good. I actually kept thinking I was pregnant. One of my friends who was actually pregnant thought she had leukemia and she's going, oh, positive attitude, negative attitude. And I was like, no stupid realizing, you know, but uh, anyway, I went from not feeling good to rush to the hospital to we're giving your wife chemo tonight and she has a 50-50 chance of living through the first night. And all of a sudden this like static hit my heart that I wasn't used to. And I realized it's fear. 
It's fear. And I wasn't used to fear. And so I was so thankful to know that fear is a spirit. And that God says fear isn't even a feeling. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I looked up at Lacey. There's doctors everywhere. There's nurses. There's people. There's confusion of faces. There, you know, and, and I just said, oh, you got to pray for me. And he put his hand on me and said, my wife has not received a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I command fear to leave its room in Jesus' name. And from that day forward, that hospital room was just jamming, happy place. It didn't matter what happened. That fear was gone. That's how much power. And so it's like we miss out so much as Christians that we don't know about. Like, Oh, really? So when he says you can have the peace that surpasses understanding, you really can? That's not just something you put in dried flowers in your bathroom? You know? No, it really is. His word is really true. And I just love that. I want us to slow down and, and take, take a look. Open your Bibles and, and look at his word. This To every day, really. And don't try to, like, read the Bible in a year unless God motivates you to do that. He may have you read Romans 12, 2 for a year. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I mean, I still meditate on that scripture. I've been meditating on that scripture since high school. Don't conform, be transformed. Don't conform. You've transformed. And then I have to go back to how am I transformed? And then I go to Romans and it says, well, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And so in me speaking out the word of God, it's increasing my faith. It's not like you go, God, I pray for more faith. God says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, reading, reading the word of God, believing, believing the word of God. And faith in God also comes in us just following in his footsteps. Okay, I'm taking this step of faith right after you, God. Right here, right now. I'm doing it. And I trust you. And I even and don't even know what I'm getting into here. But, you know, it's that first step. But we do have to, as individuals, receive his son. And I just want to conclude with... A story because I think it's important when we look at the full picture of the entire world and we see the, the gamut of so many different religions and we realize God loves everyone. They're all his children. And we all have to realize, too, that we as parents who are imperfect parents would never trick our children into making a mistake, much less being separated from us forever. So he's reaching and going towards all of his children. I mean, that's why he calls missionaries into the field. But in, even in some of my friends that are missionaries in Muslim countries, and I can't say where, they have people coming to them, Muslim people saying, okay, who is this Jesus? I had this one friend say, we're not doing anything. We are having people saying, coming to us and saying, 
okay, I dreamed about this Jesus, and I need you to tell me about him. Because we learned in our religion that he's just a prophet. And, but he appeared in the dream and said he was God. And they're like, wow. You know, so I want us to open our hearts and minds to God is God. And the world is his children, but he does have a way that we are to go to him, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. I had a male nurse that, um, or a nurse assistant, or I don't even know, LVN, RN, you know, I just, whatever it is. But anyway, anyway, I'm going to try not to say his real name, because I remember his real name, and I remember his son's name. And um, he was really thin and wiry, and he had like kind of a goatee, and had tattoos all over him. And I'm on the oncology ward, so like, you know, most of the people all on that ward are all elderly. So they had all asked, you know, we really, they were nervous about him and his generation because he was really like, can I get you some water? Can I get you ice with your water? Do you need anything else? He was just like bouncing off the walls and, and he had tattoos and, you know, he, he just, I was like, this guy's great. This guy's really cool. You know, he looks like half my friends, you know, but I'm also not 85 years old, you know. And so anyway, he had all this time to come in my room because some of the other patients had requested a different assistant not feeling comfortable with his appearance, which was such a God thing because he'd come in my room and he would show me pictures of his son. He was so proud of his son. And I can say his son's name, and I'm trying not to, but he would just say, look, here's a picture of my son, and this is what he's doing, and he would share his life with me, and we'd talk about his son, and he was so proud of him. And um, then he, I'd be reading the Bible, and he'd say, why are you reading that? You know, well, how do you know, how do you know that that's the way, or whatever? And one day, he walked in, and... Um, you know, in his kind of Kramer self, you know, just like, can I get you anything? What's going on? The door slams against the wall, and he's like, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, my gosh, he sits in the chair. Okay, you feeling okay? You still taking the chemo? It's not good stuff. Anyway, you need it. But, all right. So, you know, and I just, he's just one of those people that he's just, I, I loved him. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I want a better life for my son. He goes, I really want my son to grow up. He goes, yeah, I believe in God, okay? I believe in God, but I want my son to know for sure what he believes. And, and I want a better life for my son than I had. I had a, made a lot of mistakes. And I don't know how to give my son that. I don't know how to give him that knowledge of, you keep telling me Jesus is God's son. How do I explain that to him? And he said, how do I also just... How can you say that I need to receive Jesus to receive God? And I promise you all, Holy Spirit is so faithful. And I just looked at him, you know, three, I'm totally bald, you know, no telling what I weigh, probably about 85 pounds, with three tubes in my heart, one for chemo, one for blood, and one for whatever else they were keeping me alive on. And I just leaned forward to him, and I said, you know, and I said his name, I said, if I invited you and your son, because he loved his son so much, you know, over to my house, and, or just say I just invited you and you brought your son, and you got to my front door, and I said, hey, 
and I'm going to have to make up a name for him um, so I don't call him by his real name. Lance. Hey, come on in. You're so welcome in my house, but not your son. I said, what would you say? And he said, I would say, if my son's not welcome, I'm not welcome either. And I said, that's what God said. That's what God said. And just put it all together. And that has just spoken volumes to me. As an individual, not just as a couple, we received Jesus, okay, we got married in the church. But as individuals, we have to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then the benefits and the blessings to that on this earth, you cannot even calculate. They're infinite. I'm still discovering them. And I love the word. But every time I get in and I learn more and more and more. And I'm also learning more and more and more to appreciate my husband for the things that he does that are good, you know, instead of thinking about the things that I wish he did or the ways he doesn't meet my needs. And learning more and more and more how I want to be forgiven and I want it forgotten. And how that's what God does. He says, when you ask for forgiveness from me, I forgive you. And it says five times the Bible, and I remember your sins no more. In other words, he doesn't forget because God doesn't forget. He chooses not to remember. And I love that. When Lace and I were first married, something had happened years before. And so I brought it up like, I don't know, maybe four years later. And it was applicable and hurtful, but he, Lacey just looked at me and he said, you know what? God's forgiven me. I've forgiven me. You're the one with the problem. And I knew he was right. I mean, I absolutely knew he was right. That was completely biblically correct. And I realized I'm the one that needs to choose not to remember, even if it's super hurtful. I don't have a right to be forever super hurt. We're in this life together. And it was just huge for me. I'm still learning that. So individuals, and just encouraging you all tonight just to write down Do write down those things that you appreciate about your spouse. You'll be so surprised how your reactions will change towards them. And then their reactions will change towards you. And then just open the word because it will speak to you. And you'll get that static out of your life and then you'll never want it in there again. You will never want it in there again. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.